Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 240 of the Independent Advisors Podcast. We're Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bringing you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. Nick Whitaker, our Director of Research and Trading, is back on the show for the second week in a row, filling in for Matt. So, Nick, thanks for coming back. Good to be here, as always. Uh, definitely uh, not a lack of things to talk about this week, uh, which we'll get into pretty quickly here. But as always, want to review the month-to-date and year-to-date performance numbers for the major market indices that we track. This data is from my charts, and as of the market close on February 21st, S&P 500 index up 2.8% for the month and up 4.4% for the year. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1.2% for the month, up 2.4% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index up 2.7% for the month, up 3.8% for the year. The Small Cap Russell 2000 Index up 2.6% for the month, down 1.4% for the year. And the Vanguard All World Ex United States ETF uh, up 2.6% for the month and down excuse me, up 0.9% for the year. Three-month treasury rate at 5.44%, two-year treasury rate at 4.64%, the 10-year treasury rate at 4.32%. So big news from this week, Matt. Matt, (laughs) off to a good start today. Uh, Nick, is that, um, you know, not a whole bunch of economic data like there was last week, but I think what most investors... Uh, or money managers were anticipating this week was uh, NVIDIA earnings, which were released last night on Wednesday after the close. Uh, they came in very strong. The chip maker paired losses from earlier in the week uh, in terms of their stock price after giving an upbeat sales forecast. Uh, revenue in the current period will be about $24 billion, which was more than expected. Um, and the CEO said that AI is reaching its quote-unquote tipping point and that that is adding demand um, and that demand is surging worldwide. So NVIDIA was up more than 11.5% pre-market uh, today on Thursday the 22nd. So, um, you know, obviously NVIDIA, one of the biggest chip makers in the world, one of the biggest companies in the world by market cap. Um I saw this article this morning in the Wall Street Journal. The, the title of the article was Stock Market Today, NVIDIA Earnings Electrify Markets. And I kind of just chuckled at that because, like, number one, it was kind of funny. Uh, number two, uh, I'm on, the other side of me is like, okay, that's, that's a little bit of a trashy headline. Like, you know, uh, but, you know, obviously NVIDIA has been extremely strong for the past several years. Um, you know, so uh, I just don't want it, you know, those type of headlines to have a negative effect on people and, you know, have people go out and buy hand over fist, you know, shares of NVIDIA and, and that type of thing. But, uh, I also, granted, did not read the whole entire article. So uh, that's just me just looking at, at the headline. But pretty strong results from one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, 
you know, I think everyone is kind of in this camp waiting for the shoe to drop a little bit of a pullback since markets have been up, I think 14 out of the past 15 weeks, if I'm not mistaken, which is uh, unusual to say the least. So I think uh, we are due for a pullback, but um, NVIDIA might have uh, saved investors uh, from more immediate pullback, it seems like. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out today. Things can change, but um, strong numbers from a very, very important company uh, in terms of importance to the market. Absolutely. Things are looking strong thus far in the pre-market, so we'll see. Um, moving on to tweets, articles, and research from this week. First thing I had was a tweet from Equity Clock on February 14th, and they said, over the next month, the volatility index, the VIX, has averaged a sharp rise amidst one of the weakest two-week spans for stocks during the year. And Jenna will throw this up on the YouTube page and in our show notes, but um, this is a chart of the VIX, uh, the average seasonality over the past uh, 20 years. And what you can see, the VIX tends to spike in mid-February and peaks in mid-March. Um, so again, for people that might not have listened to this uh, podcast religious, religiously, the VIX, um, it's a volatility measure of the S&P 500 index of S&P 500 options, actually 30-day uh, volatility. Um, and typically when the VIX you know, spikes, markets are falling, right? So it's kind of a fear, uh, a fear gauge in the market. And typically what we see, uh, and this lines up with historical seasonality patterns for the market, Nick, is that, you know, middle of February to the middle towards the end of March, markets tend to be a little weak, volatility tends to spike a little bit. Um, so again, it wouldn't surprise me if we did get some sort of pullback here over the next couple of weeks. Um, but as you can see, you know, after we get through that month of March and April, May, June, uh, volatility tends to be pretty subdued. Um, but again, just would not surprise me if we saw volatility tick up a little bit and we got a little bit of a sell-off. So I just don't want people to be surprised by that if it happens. Um, Moving on to next thing I had was a tweet from Ryan Dietrich on Valentine's Day again on February 14th. Um, Nick we talked about this in a, in a questions episode here a couple of days ago, but uh, Ryan tweeted the Valentine's Day indicator is indeed flashing some green this year. The S&P 500 index is greater than 4% year-to-date return on this day. The rest of the year was higher 26 out of 28 times and up 13.3% on average versus 7.5% for all other years. Also, the last six times all gained 10% or more with an average return of nearly 17%. So you can see in this chart that's up on uh, the YouTube page right now is that when the S&P 500 is up more than 4% year-to-date on Valentine's Day, returns for the rest of the year tend to be pretty good. Only two negative years, that was in 1987. Uh, you know, obviously a really bad, bad year for, for the market. Um, and then in, in 2011. So um, again, another piece of data um, that may add to our thesis that 2024 might be, might not be the end of the world year like a lot of people are, are forecasting, per se. Yeah, I'm gonna reuse reuse the line. <laughs> That's why I was kind of chuckling. Yeah, I knew it was coming. That uh, that love is in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. Um, 
All right, last thing I had, Nick, before I turn it over to you, um, tweet from a friend of the show, Seth Goldman, on February 3rd. Uh, he said, Jamie Dimon is dumping JP Morgan stock. The stock goes to an all-time high. Mark Zuckerberg dumping Meta stock. Stock goes to an all-time high. Jeff Bezos dumping Amazon stock. Stock goes to 52-week highs. The inconvenient truth is this. Insider sales do not hold the same signal as insider buys. And I've just been seeing a lot of this on like social media and in the news outlets lately is that you, know, you have all these really big-time CEOs of these big tech companies that are just dumping not like millions, like billions of dollars worth of stock. And we've seen this song and dance over and over and over again. They've been doing it for, you know, a decade. Mark Zuckerberg has been selling Facebook or Meta shares for a decade. And it's one of the best performers, you know, over that time period. So it doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, doom and gloom for the markets, even though the media might portray it to be that way. Um, but there are many reasons why insiders would sell stock. There's only one reason why they buy stock is they think that the future outlook is going to be good. They want to make money, right? Um, so I've seen this more consistently over the past couple of weeks. So I just wanted to bring this up um, just because these CEOs of these major companies are, are selling stock doesn't mean you should be adjusting your investment allocation and thinking that we're going to be in a, a 40% pullback here in the next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with listeners. I tend to completely ignore this type of news just because I've seen it from an insider perspective, um, talking to CEOs and knowing that, oh, hey, they sold a million shares because it's Christmas time and they're going on vacation. I mean, like I've, I've actually had yeah. this conversation, so that's one piece of it. Another thing to think about is, um, think of the big picture in financial planning, and we talk about this a lot with clients, is diversification, right? Principles of diversification. You don't want to be overexposed to one investment. The same goes for these guys, even though they're you know, millionaire, multi-millionaires and extremely high net worth. And, um, you know, it's the same thing. They just take some chips off the table, diversify their portfolio a little bit. I mean, it's just what, it's just good practice. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't take a, a a lot out of that because you know when you, you have these three guys and they have so much of their net worth tied up into these companies, it makes sense that they would diversify away. So it's, I, I tend not to think much about insider sales. Yeah, hundred percent. You got to think too that most of these guys, you know, they they founded these companies, right? So Bezos mm -hmm. and Zuckerberg. So they literally, you know, when Amazon and Facebook were startup companies, they put everything they yeah, had, it's, like everything, into this, right? It so. Is their so now that the companies are more mature, it makes sense to take some of those chips off the table and get a return on, yeah. on what they sacrificed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so don't don't read uh, too much into that. Yeah, that's, that's good advice, I think. Uh, I, I was not aware that the media, it doesn't shock me that the media can uh, kind of take those headlines and make something out of it, but blow it out of proportion. That's, uh, as, as we call it, it's a big nothing burger. Yeah, 100%. Um, the uh, the first thing I have is just checking in on commodities. This is a tweet from Matthew Miskin. He is the co-chief investment strategist at John Hancock Investments. Uh, he says the following. New two-year low in the Bloomberg Commodity Index yesterday. 
If inflation often comes in waves, wouldn't commodity prices likely need to rise again? Maybe they do given the risk on rally, but they have been bucking the broader market trends. And he, uh, he references facts up here because this chart that he pulled is actually a facts up chart. And you can see that the commodity index is you know, just kind of heading lower and it's consolidating, uh, as it were, um, which is probably good to see. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think, you know, to see inflation kind of rear the, the ugly head again, I think you would need to see, you know, an uptick, especially in gasoline and, you know, energy prices and that type of thing. But uh, we're just, we're not, we're not seeing that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think, again, we're in the camp that inflation continues to uh, come in and come down. Could we get some short term spikes here and there? Uh, based on supply and demand and some seasonality stuff, yes, I think you will see that at some point in 2024. But uh, the longer term trend is is lower for this right now, and it's pretty clear in this chart. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, seeing this continue lower would, would be great. I think there's there's a nice healthy kind of back and forth that you know we can see it stabilize and, and move up. And I think the argument would be if some of these commodity prices can rise and maybe that helps earnings in other areas of the market and maybe we have some rotation in other areas of the yeah. market that that can decrease some of the, the trends of, oh, this section, uh, this sector is overbought, the market's overbought. Um, and I think about commodity prices as the inputs for a lot of the other areas of the markets that can, that can boost their, uh, their earnings. The biggest one that comes to mind would be energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and some of the energy companies um, you know, on, on paper look okay, but there's been a, a, a lack of demand, I think, that we've seen there, and in part because of this. So that's why I say, big picture, this is what we want to see, right, for the economy and, and, and things of that nature. But when you know, there's always another way to think about it, right? So, yeah, um, yeah just uh, an interesting chart, just to kind of remind listeners of you know, where we were you know, over the past couple of years. Couple summers ago, that was come a long way. We've come a long way. <laughs> We've come a long way. So, um, the the next piece I have is uh, it's kind of get a two or a three for two for one here. Um, it's just we're, we're towards the end of the earnings season with Nvidia reporting this morning. Nvidia um, and a lot of the chip makers tend to report very late in the earnings cycle. Yeah. Um, basically, at the end. Um, this first piece is uh, it's actually from the 17th, so this is going to miss a few days of kind of some of the chip earnings. But it's a, it's a tweet from FactSet, and it shows the S&P earnings growth year over year. Um, this is Q4 2023, um, and just shows the the chart of earnings growth across the different big sectors. Um, you can you kind of see um, see uh, see the breakdown of it. The, uh, the blue bar is uh, as of today, and the gray bar is the previous the previous year. Um, I, I think a lot of this is is as expected. Um, utilities surprised me a little bit. Um, energy doesn't surprise me as much. The earnings growth, as I mentioned just a minute ago, it's, it's going to be yeah, it's it's going to be a lot to do with. Energy you know, if you're an oil driller, you need oil to be at a certain price to have it to be profitable for you to drill, right? Yeah. So to have your rig running. Um, 
So I think that's a lot of some things that maybe a lot of people don't understand. Um, but you know, that's, that's why, you know, energy did so well in, in 2022 because inflation was raging and mm-hmm. energy prices were higher than they've been in a really long time. And, you know, it was great for, for the energy sector, but, uh, that was, you know, clearly a short, short term development. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You see, other than utilities, that's definitely a surprising uh, industry. Thirty percent earnings growth year over year. Um, but you know, communication services, commuter dis- commu- consumer discretionary, and technology all kind of leading that list in terms of earnings growth, and those are the sectors that did the best in twenty twenty three. So you know, you can see by this chart that the earnings growth is what is driving these returns and earnings matter so much to the market. Um, you know, the only thing that I would say on utilities uh, is I think that just, you know, utilities are typically bought for their defensive nature, but also their dividend yields. And a lot of these stocks in the utility sector aren't even yielding as much as a short-term T-bill, treasury bill right now. So I think that's probably the reason why you haven't seen, you know, utilities perform better than it you think it might with the earnings growth it has, but um, you know, when someone can buy a quote unquote risk-free rate of return three, six, 12 month T-bill for five and a half percent and the utilities are yielding four, it's like, okay, well, it's a pretty easy decision there. Yeah, it, it, it makes plenty of sense to say, oh, we'd rather just nix the, the utility exposure, get more beta, Alpha from other areas of the market, yeah, exactly. just go into fixed income, which is which you know is a right, especially when you five five and a half percent. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. You can you can kind of barbell that and, and generate a little bit more alpha. Um, not to be too theoretical there, but yeah, that's that's the uh, the idea. Um, the, the second chart here is just kind of a continuation. It's also from FactSet. Um, this was actually uh, released on the twentieth, so it was two days ago. This is more big picture. It's S and P revenue growth over the past five years, and this is the S and P. So this is kind of including all the kicks into that. And, um, just kind of nice to see. I just want to you know remind listeners kind of hey, w- w- what have we gone through? You think about COVID. You can kind of see the, the revenue drop off a cliff. You can see it surging back. Um, with we've talked about that at length uh, with the uh, the amazing volatility in the economy and, and everything that happened post COVID. Zoom world, so to speak, and then you know, fears of fears of the inflation over the past or, uh, of inflation and, and recession over the past year and change. Um, you can see that kind of impacting adversely impacting revenue growth, and it seems like we've kind of gone down to that goalie and and, and perhaps we've turned a corner, um, which is uh, it's an interesting chart in the context of what we're all still. Uh, Arguing, uh, arguing about—I should say arguing about—but uh, hypothesizing about um, regarding the, re- the next recession. Uh, when's the rate? Uh, when's the next rate cut? Now this week, some people are talking about a rate hike. It's like, whoa, there's going to be a rate. Hike. Yeah. So there's still a lot of uh, a lot of banter in the markets about this. But this chart's interesting to me. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it is too. Um, you know, I think it does a pretty good job of showing that, you know, the market is forward looking with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in Q, 
let's see, you know, Q1 of 2023 and Q2 of 2023 revenue growth was was actually down, you know, over you know five year period and trending down. But the market had a really good year in 2023. Yeah, so fantastic. people are like, well, what's going on? And as you can see, you know, in Q3 of 23 and Q4 of 23, that revenue started to turn back up. So as we talk about the market is always forward looking by, you know, anywhere from six to 18 to 24 months. This is, this is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, that's a great point. That's an excellent point. Yeah, that's, that's the same, you know, um, kind of going into my last little piece here, I'm uh, talking about market movements since the CPI report on the 13th, but you know, going kind of building on what you just said, think about Nvidia earnings this morning. Um, the biggest thing that the market's looking for, of course they want to check the box that, hey, this quarter's earnings were great, as we all expected, but they care so much more about what about next quarter? What what about this current fiscal year? What about the next fiscal year? They care so much more about the guide, especially with heavier uh, growth names or higher beta names, um, you know, names where the valuation is higher because you're anticipating more growth in the future. Uh, the market and investors care very very much about projections companies internal projections um, so this last piece I have is, is kind of talking about that this is just uh, internal data here at Jessa the, the data is from wide charts which is internal charts and data that we have I think I've thrown things like this up before uh, for for our uh, avid listeners they've probably seen something like this before but um, note this is a really small sample size uh, but I just kind of wanted to point this out uh, with NVIDIA reporting this morning and, um, you know, just acknowledge the, the bit of a pause that we saw in some of the strong areas of the market post that CPI report. So the CPI report came out on the 13th, um, so you know, 10 days ago, but think about like market days, not that many days, yeah, small sample size here, but it's very clear that we, get, we saw a bit of a pause in market action. That day, the market sold off a percent. The next day, it kind of it paired those losses, was up about another percent. But if you kind of peel the, the layer back a little bit, you see that first period from the end of the year until the day before the CPI report. A lot of strength in, in tech. Uh, healthcare actually did pretty well. Um, but communications, that was filled by Meta's earnings. Um, financials did pretty well. Uh, but you know, communications and tech really stand out. Then post uh, CPI report, you see a bit of a pause, a bit of profit taking, and I would say that's fantastically healthy. Yes. If it if that CPI report came out and then we saw tech and communications just skyrocket, continue like, yeah, we don't care about that. Mm -hmm. I would be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seeing that pause, I think, is a really good thing. Um, so I wanted to point that out to listeners. Uh, you can kind of see. NASDAQ is underperforming in that period. Again, that makes sense. You get the negative CPI report. Now people are freaking out about, okay, is the Fed going to be for longer? You know, that's going to kind of increase the frequency of that narrative even more so. Yeah. Did tech um, go too far too fast? And exactly. Is it overvalued? Are we due for a massive sell-off? Is the market going to sell off, right? Um, and then here's the fun part of market narratives and everything that goes on. Now we have NVIDIA earnings. What do they do? Blow it out of the water. Yeah. Fantastic growth. And everyone's like, oh, that's right. That's why we buy tech. Correct. And so it'll be interesting to see as a timing-wise, I think this podcast worked out very well for listeners. You can kind of see 
what's happened to your day to the CPI report? Okay, we have the pause, and now today's NVIDIA earnings, so will this unwind a little bit? Will there be a little bit more rotation? Or will we just be back, will the market be back at tech heavy? So this is something you know we watch every day, but um, just to kind of keep, uh, keep an understanding of, of the, the ebbs and flows in the market, um, and, and particularly with sector rotation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see if any of this persists. Um, because, you know, financials have looked pretty good. So, you know, year to date, financials are doing well and they're up, you know, they were up 1% um, after the uh, CPI report up until yesterday. So uh, financials maybe could be a market leader. Same thing with uh, industrials, healthcare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's, it's time for a break with, with tech and communication services and, and that those type of growth, aggressive sectors. So. Um, yeah, good chart. Healthy pods. Yeah. Profit taking. Right. It's like you mentioned at the Maybe video that's over now. Maybe it's, you know, I don't Maybe know it's yeah. right now. But. Maybe it's a very small pod. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. Thanks for, um, thanks for providing that data, Nick. And again, uh, if people want to see this, um, these charts that we talked about today, and you're not watching on YouTube, they will be in our show notes. Um, so, Jessup Wealth on Twitter. Go to our website uh, and on Facebook and see those show notes there. Um, lastly, Nick, just want to hit on a tax item quick for people. Um, so for this week's financial planning topic of the week, um, I want to talk about uh, MAGI or Modified Adjusted Gross Income and, and how you kind of calculate this. So uh, Modified adjusted gross income is a very, very important number when it comes to figuring out what your tax liability is for the year. And everything is kind of based on modified adjusted gross income. So when we're talking about IRA contributions uh, and we're talking about, are you eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA? The income limitations that we're talking about there is all based on modified adjusted gross income. It's not just your gross income for the year, right? And a lot of times people are like, what the hell is modified adjusted gross income? How do I calculate it? Um, so I just wanted to talk about that really quick since uh, tax day is creeping up on us. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, everyone's, you know, best, most fun day. It's like the 15th this year, it's usually right around the 15th, so. Um, but before we jump into modified adjusted gross income, I want to define what adjusted gross income is. So according to the IRS, adjusted gross income is the total taxable income of an individual or taxpayer for a given year minus certain adjustments. This figure is used to calculate a taxpayer's federal tax liability and determines eligibility for government benefits such as Medicare or Social Security. This makes it uh, especially important to understand how different components of income and deductions, including 401k contributions, are used to calculate AGI. So first, you determine your total income for the year, which includes wages, salaries, tips, commissions, and bonuses, interest and dividend income, IRA, pension, and annuity distributions, social security benefits, capital gains or losses, income from sole proprietorships, uh, proprietorships, uh, flow through income from Schedule K-1s, uh, so that's like S-Corps and partnership income, uh, rental income or losses, 
and then you use Schedule 1 to subtract the following items, such as IRA contributions, HSA contributions, alimony paid, uh, medical saving account contributions, self-employed contributions to a SEP simple or 401k plan. Um, and that's how you get to AGI. And I know that's a lot that goes into that, but you can you know Google this and have a nice little sheet that kind of shows how you get to this number. Um, and a key thing to point here, point out here though, Nick, is rollovers from IRAs or retirement plans aren't listed because they're they aren't used in calculating AGI for a given period. So again, rollovers, there's no tax consequences associated with that stuff unless you actually take money out of the IRA. So that's not included in, in that calculation. There are other very specific rules around rollovers, which we won't go into. Yes, we time can do a with that. On that. Yeah, <laughs> I do a couple of sets on that. Right, right. Um, Modified adjusted gross income is used to determine, uh, you know, how income may be taxed and eligibility for certain tax credits, deductions, and other benefits. Um, so modified adjusted gross income is adjusted gross income, or AGI, plus additional items, including IRA contributions, non-taxable Social Security amounts, deduction for uh, tuition and fees, passive income or losses, and rental losses. Um, so, you know, there, there is a lot that goes into it, but it does help just to be knowledgeable about what, uh, goes into calculating your taxable income for the year. Um, because as we both know, Nick, the, uh, tax code is extremely complicated in my opinion. Like, oh yeah. Like necessarily I, so. You know, I I sometimes don't understand why things are done a certain way or have trouble understanding what the IRS is trying to get at with the, tech, the tax code and we're in this industry, right? Um, so it is extremely complicated, but I think uh, having you have the ability to calculate this stuff can just double check and make sure you're not underpaying or overpaying, especially overpaying. Um, and there's, you know, a gazillion options out there for calculators of this stuff where you can just like punch this stuff in and, and double check some numbers. And it doesn't, it, it, it's not a bad practice to go through. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially if you're, if you're doing your own taxes through like a self-service portal, like TurboTax or H&R Block or something like that. And I'm sure people who are at this kind of next tax bracket level, there's, there's a level that I'm guessing most people who are around that level are very aware of it and are probably working with their financial advisor. But if you're not, uh, definitely something to, to be aware of because you can make moves uh, within your financial portfolio to save you money in taxes and you know, benefit yourself in the long run as well. So it can kind of serve as a win-win if you have just like kind of creeped over, maybe a bonus has put you over the uh, a, a tax level, you can... Yeah, you can offset that with, with certain types of items. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times too, people are, and this is just a general opinion on my side of things. I don't have you know data to back this up, but I feel like people in general are sometimes like scared to ask their accountant, like, "Hey, is this right?" Or if something doesn't seem right to them, it's like, you know, that just doesn't look right. Sometimes they're like, "Well, what do I know? This guy or girl is you know the professional." It's like ask questions. Always like, ask. Ask yeah. questions to understand. Stuff right, yeah, absolutely. Um, because mistakes happen, yeah. right? Um, so if, if things don't look right to you or they don't make sense, don't hesitate to pause and ask a question and don't continue until you understand it, right? Absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, so happy happy tax season. About another uh, another two months or so here, uh, which is going to be nuts. I can't believe it's uh, almost the end of February right now. Time flies. It does. Um, before we sign off, Nick, um, anything else from your end that you wanted to discuss today? No, nothing. Nothing for me. Thanks for having me. I hope, uh, hope everyone's uh, enjoying. At the end of the winter here, we're getting closer to spring. We are. We, had, uh, we were in the mid sixties yesterday here yeah. in Dayton, which was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like it's like fifty degrees this morning, and I was like, "Oh, this feels feels this kind feels, of nice. Feels nice." <laughs> so getting to the end of the, the winter months. Yeah, for all of us. March Madness on the horizon, meaning spring coming, golf season coming. So a lot of a lot of. Days are getting longer. It's not pitch black at five o'clock anymore. So uh, we're looking up, looking up from here. Made it through another one. You did. You did. Um, last but not least, uh, if you or someone you know want to create your own podcast, please use the promo code Jessup Wealth to get your first month of Blueberry Podcasting hosting for free. Uh, to choose the ideal plan for you, use the hosting estimator on their website. Again, you can receive your first month free with promo code JESSUPWEALTH, all lowercase, no spaces. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening to episode 240 of the Independent Advisors Podcast. We will be back with you next week for episode number 241. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors Podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.